skeptical about custom beauty, honestly, y'all, I totally get it. My feed is flooded with customize this and personalize that, all promising, you know, to fix all of our beauty, hair, and skin problems. Truthfully, I was so skeptical when I saw this brand, but I'm a total believer now. When pros says custom, they actually mean it. Their products are no gimmicks, and your formula couldn't exist without you. Each and every bottle of Pro's custom hair care and skin care is made to order and personalized with unique blends of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals. And they get personal. Pro's covers everything from your concerns to diet, exercise, and stress levels to uncover what's impacting your hair and skin health. Did you know, for example, that Minneapolis has like weirdly hard water, which apparently was affecting my hair. So like some of the ingredients that they put into my hair care was to like deal with the fact that we have hard water. Wow. I love that. They also asked me things like, you know, because I have had a baby recently, like, am I still breastfeeding? What are my hair goals? And I also really appreciated they asked like, how much effort do you want to put into your hair? Yeah, <laughs> because like I'm at the point, you know, I used to let, yeah, I used to do those, you know, put effort into my appearance, but now it's like, I just want to be able to walk out of the door without feeling self-conscious. Um, I, this is truly such a genuine endorsement. So I've really enjoyed using these products. But don't just take our word for it. In a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised control clinical trial, this is like the gold standard of all of these trials, Pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering our listeners an exclusive trial offer so you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash justbreakup. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash justbreakup for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas, pros.com slash justbreakup. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by some of our amazing patrons over on Patreon. Thank you so much to Kara Bennett. Thank you to Sarah Miller. Thank you to Bailey Cameron. Thanks to Alex Moritz. And thank you to Mia Christopher. If you would like your name shouted out on one of our episodes, you can support us on Patreon for $10 a month, where you also get a bonus weekly episode and a video recording of that episode so you can watch us or listen to us. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like trying to be a good friend, dry spells, and feeling guilty after a breakup. But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we are not licensed mental health practitioners. Mm -mm. Licensed mental health practitioners across the country are 
pulling out their hair because we're doing this. <laughs> no, no. I think at least some of them, maybe some of them are. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah. Um, that's right. We are not professionals. We are not trained in this. These are just our opinions. So please take these opinions as you see fit. It is your life and not ours. We are only here to offer our humble musings because we have a microphone, essentially, to hopefully shed some <laughs> understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love and life and friendships at all. That's what we're covering today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so before, many things. Before we get into those letters, um, we're going to check in. Uh, but our check-in topic is just going to be like business stuff, fun, fun, exciting business stuff. Um, the first thing is, uh, if you have not already heard um, from a prior episode or from the debut last week, um, we have um, premiered a brand new interview series on the primary feed, wherever you get your podcasts, just like you get this episode. Um Sam and I are, are, are releasing interviews with esteemed professionals and people we love and respect um, who have uh, expertise in, in an area that we think that you will love. And we debuted last last week um, with Lindsay C. Gibson, the author of Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents. And y'all's response so far, I just want to say, like, thank you so much for listening and for supporting this new content. We were so excited to do it just to like change up our, you know, our feed a little like we're obviously still putting out episodes every Monday, but we've been putting out episodes every Monday for three plus years. And now every other Thursday, we're going to be putting out these interview, oh, which we're calling head and heartwork conversations. And, um, Mm -hmm. and so we debuted last, last week. So thanks to everybody who have listened already. If you haven't, you can just find it in our primary feed, wherever you get your podcast for free. The interview was phenomenal. And I think like everybody's responses to it echo Sam and I's feelings about it, (laughs) how we had Mm -hmm. like our minds blown. Um, and yeah, I think I just wanted to like reiterate that that series is new, Thank everybody for listening. Send people to that episode if they haven't checked it out already because it was so phenomenal. Um, and amp you up for our next Head and Hardware conversation, which will air um, not this week, but next Thursday, November 18th. This is going to be an episode with body positive champion, globally known lecturer on weight-based discrimination, Virgie Tovar. Um, this conversation was so fun, so enlightening. Um, she is such an amazing speaker, person, like life changer. If you don't know her work already, check her out on Instagram. Um, For me, like if I could give a preface to this interview to like entice you to listen to it, it's so much more than just like the Instagrammable body positivity that we think of, you know, especially as millennials. Mm. The conversation goes beyond just asking the question of like, how do I love myself and love my body and, and moves into like that very uncomfortable, radically empowering space, which is who and what taught me that my body was unlovable in the first place. And Mm. uh, I can't wait to share that with all of you the interviews have been so fun because it's like you and i know each other so well and so intimately that we sort of just like fall into like a a very easy pattern when we do these episodes of like back and forth back and forth like building on each other's ideas and um what i think has been super fun about this is is having somebody say something that is so outside of the realm of the things that we would say 
but that like makes so much sense and like fit right. into the the way that we're talking about things or like in some ways maybe challenge it a little bit too. Um, like it just feels really fresh and really interesting to have different perspectives. Um, especially because you and I have such, have been friends for so long. Yeah. So like we, we think and talk in particular ways. So yeah, totally. it's been great to have some like fresh ideas and fresh people perspectives in this, in this conversation. Fresh is exactly the word I would put um, apply to it. Like this whole process of, you know, booking these interviews and recording the conversations with you has been so refreshing for us, even just like creatively and professionally. And, and just the, the different voices that are now added to this head and heart work platform, I guess it's just been so rewarding. So that is going to be every other Thursday, y'all on the primary feed where you get your podcast for free. You don't have to do anything except for press that play button um, on our Just Breakup feed. Uh, And the next episode will be out on November 18th. Super exciting. Awesome. So that's the first first piece of business. Second piece of business is I've been hinting at promising some new merch for the past couple weeks, um, and we finally are debuting it today. Um, We have two pieces of new merch. We tried to we decided to do a little bit of a smaller run this time, but we have a brand new crew neck sweatshirt. Um, And the thing that's exciting about this sweatshirt, I'm just going to describe it for folks who cannot see it, is um, we got some DM requests about merchandise that doesn't say just break up because like we love our name (laughs) but we know that like wearing it as like a you know like a bold flag across your chest isn't like everybody's jam so we decided to go in a little bit of a different direction this time and um we noticed this reoccurring pattern over the summer of people really latching on to something that Sam says, we all kind of say it, but Sam really says it the most, which is reminding us about, and also the power of, and also, (laughs) Mm. um, that you can feel more than you can feel this at at one point. And also this other thing can be true at the same time. Um, so we did these really cute crew neck sweatshirts with a designer based out of Minneapolis. Um, her name is Lizzie and she runs something called rare press. You can check it out on Instagram at, at, rare press um and the crew neck sweatshirt is really adorable and it says and also on it's surrounded by some like beautiful folky floral design and then lizzie also designed for us our first ever just break up journals and on the front we Mm. again we were trying to do something different outside of the realm of our very sarcastic, adorable name. So on the cover of this journal is an illustration that um, Lizzie did. And it says uh, one of my affirmations, which is one of my favorites. um, I am whole even as I grow. And the notebook is so cute. cute. It's like five by seven or seven and a half. I think it's five by seven. Um, Unlined. Super cute, lightweight. The back of it has like a cute little collaboration between us and Rare Press. Um, I love them. I'm so excited to ship them out to all of you. So both of those things are now live on our website. We still have sales running from some products that we want to clear out of my closet. Um, But you can find that all right now at justbreakuppod.com. I love that we are putting out uh, stuff that doesn't say just break up on it. Because... (laughs) (laughs) I, I love the idea of people walking through this like on the street with like a just pick up and somebody like takes that as a sign that yeah. like oh my god yes that's exactly what I need to do um but I do love the idea that folks are getting what they need and yeah. getting things that are more in line with their style <laughs> and um 
I think that that's really cute. I love that, that people didn't want that stuff that says just break up. It all was over like it. few and far between, you know, uh, DMs yeah. that we got, but it was it's a valid point. Um, but also, like accepting our name is is kind of accepting who we are, which is I don't know, not professionals. <laughs> yeah, um, that it's definitely tongue in cheek, tongue in cheek, T- tongue in cheek. Yep. Somebody corrected tongue me in. once on Instagram, and I learned my lesson and then promptly forgot it. <laughs> Great. That's exactly what we need to do to learn and grow. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, those are my two pieces of business for our check-in topic this week. You want to get into our letters? Yeah, let's do it. Our first letter comes from a bad, good friend whose pronouns are she, her, who's writing from Lavoid. Trigger warning in this letter for disordered eating. She writes, Dear Sam and Sierra, I need help being the goodest possible friend to my friend Allison. Not her real name. Don't worry. We are both 23, queer, and have she, her pronouns. I'm trying to figure out how to ask my question because it's a bit complicated. I'll just start from the beginning. We've been really good friends since we were nine years old. Super close throughout middle school and drifted apart in high school. We actually ended up going to the same school for college, but had a big fight our first year and stopped speaking for three years. Because of COVID, we're both living in our hometown again, and I decided to ask if she wanted to get coffee. Long story short, we're friends again and pretty close. But of course, we're older now and therefore different. Here's where things get tricky. She's not doing great. To use her own words, she's miserable. And it's pretty clear why. To start, everyone in her family is awful to her. They say all these terrible things to her face, and no matter how much I tell her to cut them off, she won't. She doesn't take care of her physical or mental health. She probably eats half a meal per day, but goes out and gets drunk almost every night. She stopped going to therapy six months ago. During the day, she'll work 14 hours nonstop, and she's so, so, so stressed all the time. There are just a few things, but you get it. She's in a rough spot, and if she keeps going down this path, well, let's just say I'm really worried. But I'm also frustrated because I know life could be so much better for her and she would be so much happier if only she was making an effort to take care of herself. I know because I've been there. Those three years when we weren't speaking were when I was in a really rough spot. I was severely depressed, on and off antidepressants, uh, self-harming, drinking, doing drugs, so underweight it was scary. You get the point. I was miserable. But it was me who got myself out of that place, me who held myself accountable to stop bad habits and replace them with good ones. I had no one to support me then. It took a couple of years, yes, but it's made all the difference. I can't tell you how happy and at peace with life I am. It's all I want for my friend, too. You'd think I'd have more compassion and empathy for her since we have shared experiences. And I do, of course. But when she sends texts like, LOL, all I had was iced coffee for the past three days, or I went to my mom's house again and she called me a bitch, or I probably shouldn't take another shot, but my doctor says I'll be dead in 10 years anyway from lack of food and nutrients. I get super anxious and sick to my stomach thinking of all the trouble she's putting herself in and just want to scream, do you not realize that all of this is in your control, that life doesn't have to be like this? That's harsh, I know. To be honest, I have an avoidant attachment style, and I guess it applies to my platonic relationships too. It's just hard knowing how much better I feel these days and knowing that it was me who did that for myself. I just want her to do it for herself too, but I don't know how to say that nicely, so I don't really say anything at all. I try to give her some advice, but I don't want to get too pushy. I'm worried I'll straight up start lecturing her or yelling at her one day, and obviously that's not going to make anyone feel better. Or is it? 
That's basically my question. When your friend is in a rough place and mostly due to their own actions, what's the best way to support them? Should I keep doing what I'm doing? Let her continue to live life exactly how she wants and just be there as steady support? Or should I take a more tough love approach? If there's no one else in her life to help her wake up, should it be me? I hope neither of you thinks I'm a monster. I'll be Allison's friend no matter what. I'm just desperate and want her to be happy and healthy. Thank you for your sage wisdom reading this letter and being the sweet treasures that you are. Thank you so much for writing a bad, good friend. We appreciate your vulnerability and we're sorry that you're feeling some stress over this friendship. Um, I definitely relate to it in terms of being stressed out by other people's life situations um, because mm. I'll internalize their problems and feel like I need, you know, that if I don't act on something, it like creates like a, an emotional itch that I want to scratch, like caretaking in, in probably what is an unhealthy way. I'm, I'm guessing, sure. <laughs> but, um, so I want to say to you a good, bad friend. Um, I want to state two things outright that will, I think, color the rest of my advice. One, while you can draw comparisons between your experience during that, quote, dark period um, and her present life now, it is important for you right now to separate those two experiences because no matter how similar they seem to you on paper, her experience right now is not your experience. And... Mm. I don't think that's a bad assumption. That's a very natural one. But when we start to assume that we know the solutions to people's problems because we share the problems, then um, then we lose all sense of curiosity. That's, that's when we lose our empathy, mm. right, is when we think we mm. know the answer, um, when we think that we are all knowing. And I don't I don't think you're a monster at all. If I didn't say oh, that no, before, absolutely. like not even, not even close. <laughs> um, uh, I think it's very, this is all very natural, especially like when you do get your shit together and other people's chaos can be kind of like triggering to you. Do you know what I mean? Like their energy. Um, but so that's a, that's a one thing I just want to remind you of is that like, we lose curiosity and empathy when we start thinking we know what's best for other people. It, it, um, and the second thing is you cannot change or control your friend's path. You can change the way you interact with her. And I don't just, I don't mean like withholding yourself from her or anything. I just mean, you know, Shifting your perspective from I know what's best for her, I have advice for her, shifting away from advice and maybe to curious observations. When she texts you and says, I haven't had anything to eat except for iced coffee for the last three days, you can say, you can curiously observe, wow, that sounds really unhealthy. What's mm -hmm. making you do that? Mm -hmm. What's making you make that choice? Um. Mm -hmm. I think that sounds a little, that's coming off a little bit more brash than I mean it, but I literally just mean like an open-ended, like, uh, like I think if Sam texted me that, I would say, wow, that sounds really unhealthy. Are you okay? <laughs> you know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Absolutely. Like, um, I, yep. I don't think we have to passively accept, you know, in order to like not 
boss people around and tell them how to like fix their life, that doesn't necessarily mean we need to passively accept what they're they're, they're throwing on us, right? We can For curiously sure. observe it. And I I also relate to your letter, um, good bad friend, bad good friend, uh, because I also um, am going through something similar and sort of recognizing like. I don't want to have to be the one to help like this person through this tough time. And I'm having trouble accessing empathy because it's like, yep, this is the pattern that I've seen from you 27 times before. Right. Um, so like, I totally understand. And I don't think that you're a monster. And I'll, I'll also say that one of the things that I have to remember in those types of moments when I'm getting really judgy about like, well, I made this, I made it through this. I learned these things. I did the work. I have to remember that I am much more interdependent than people want me to think or that sort of society wants me to think, right? Like, yes, I did the work to go to mm. therapy and to um and to find, you know, resources that are that I use to help support my own mental health and my own journey in this, but I did not do that alone, right? Wow. Even though I did a whole lot of work, it was not just me that did it. Right. I had the help of therapy. I had the help of friends that were there to support me through it. I had the help of resources that I used online, resources that I used, books that I read. Right. Like I am incredibly dependent on the good thinking and support of so many people around me, even as I was doing the work with myself. And that helps me remember that I can't look at other people and expect them to just like figure it out. Like it's not like a, it's not a, it's not a war of wills, mm. right? It's about access to resources. It's about whether or not we have the tools to be able to support it, right? I had a family that was supportive of me figuring out my mental health, right? right. Even if they weren't doing it themselves, like they paid for my therapy or they, um, you know, they didn't make me feel bad for doing it or tell me I was, you know, right? Like, I had so many different elements that were in my life that that helped support me that weren't just me. <laughs> and yeah. that helps me in those moments remember that like, yeah, these I'm not comparing apples to apples because we're not just unique individuals who need to figure out how to do the thing by ourselves. And this person just needs to figure it out. Instead, I have to remember that like our circumstances are incredibly different all the time. Right. Your friend may not have the same tools, may not have the same resources that you have in this moment. And so just remembering that allows me at least to practice more of that empathy and say, like, oh, I am so thankful for all of the wonderful love and support and resources that I've had in my life that have led me to this moment. And I have deep empathy for folks who either aren't accessing those resources, don't have that support, whatever it is. Um, it but also sort of taking some of the the blame or the judgment that I'm putting on that person as an individual and recognizing that like we are all existing in this like really nebulous system <laughs> where yeah, everything totally. is different and all of these situations are incredibly um, unlike each other. Um, and that that's a really important thing for me to remember. So would encourage you to be thinking that way. Again, I don't think you're a bad person for, for feeling that way. Right? Not like, at all. I'm also... Right. I'm also struggling with that. Right. And then I know that I'm not a bad person. So like I, I'm with you on this, but that is one of the things that I use to help me when I'm feeling that frustration or that amount of judgment around like, just get it together. I got it together. You get it together, too. Totally. 
And I think a lot of what you're talking about, too, in terms of like resources, family support, friend support, the stuff that we don't always automatically think of when we think of our own personal growth, so much of that can be circumstantial, right? So much of that could Mm -hmm. be the fact that we had a stable living environment or that we had that one good friend that would like text us back or that we had a job that we enjoyed Mm -hmm. going to or, or something that got us out of bed that we that we didn't we wouldn't necessarily point to on a map um but like you said definitely was there to support us and when we assume we know we we then then then, then there's an, a right and a wrong answer when that assumption mm-hmm. is there but we if we take away the assumption then all of a sudden um there's just less tension less friction um in this whole yep. you know this stressful situation it is stressful to watch somebody you know, struggle. It's it's hard. For sure. And I want to ask you, Sam, like two things <laughs> or two. I want to go. I want to get your opinion on two different directions. The first one is so well, you pr- have previously identified as having an avoidant attachment style. And maybe you could speak a little bit to about how that has showed up in your friendships and how you've become more secure in your friendships, even the ones that ask that challenge you, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one of the things that is really interesting about the avoidant my or the way that my avoidant attachment style showed up is that um, part of it was that I just wasn't good at establishing healthy boundaries. Um, and so what that turned into was that I just established boundaries with everyone. <laughs> so it was like I had to push everyone away because I didn't have a tool to help push away the parts of things that were unhealthy or that were like hurting me in some way. So it was just like, everyone get away from me because mm-hmm. like you're all toxic and and like you're all going to drain my energy or you're going to do things, you're going to harm me in some way. So uh, I think what might help you in this, right? Because like avoiding people, remember, want attachment just as much as anxiously and, and and securely attached people do, mm-hmm. right? We are we are hard hardwired to want to attach to people. So remembering that you have tools in your toolbox to help set up healthy boundaries with this friend, and that doesn't mean that you have to push away every aspect of every friendship with every person. Mm-hmm. So, what are some of the things that you can do to help you tell this friend, Allison? Um, that you are not comfortable with some of the things that she's doing or the things that she's telling you, right? And Sierra, I think, gave a great example of when she texts and says something like, um, you know, I haven't eaten in three days, and you say, you know, wow, that sounds really unhealthy. Um, you, you know, how are you feeling? Or like, why are you doing that? You can also say things like, you know, when you do this stuff to yourself, it makes me feel bad or it makes me feel like you're mm-hmm. hurting yourself like you're hurting my best yeah. you're hurting one of my best friends right and it it i'm really uncomfortable with the fact that you are continuing to do these things and what are some of the things that she can and can't talk to you about right because the problem is when we're working or when we're we have people in our lives who are hurting themselves over and over again and using us as enablers to that self-harm that they're doing mm-hmm is that we have to do the really counterintuitive thing, which is to say, like, that self-harm is not acceptable, and so I have to withhold some of myself from you. Right. Right? And 
it sucks because like the impulse that we have is to say like, oh my God, I want to, I want to like hold your hand and stop you from doing that. Right. But that doesn't offer them the tools that they need in order to find a way to to stop or it doesn't offer them the motivation to do it for themselves, to do it right. in a way that's going to support them. So like, I think that you can really have a clear conversation with Allison and say, hey, I love you and I support you and I want to be here for you. And I also see you doing things that are unhealthy, that you know are unhealthy. And I want you to know that like, I'm not going to help support you in those unhealthy decisions, right? Like I'm not... I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I am going to say, like, if you're going to go, if you're going to go three days without eating, like, I can't support you in that. Like, I don't yeah. support you in that decision. Um, and I I don't want to hear about it. And I'm not going to reward you by pretending like it's an OK thing that's happening. Yeah, right. I'm totally. not gonna, I'm not going to sit here and say, like, haha, funny. I'm going to if you say that to me, I'm going to say, wow, that's really concerning to me. Yeah. Like, why are you doing that? Like, oh, wow, I'm I, that makes me really worried about your health. Like, right. What? Why is this happening? Um, and it sucks. <laughs> like, it just really sucks. And it can feel really judgy. Right. Um, but you it can feel really stressful. Don't. For sure. Absolutely. Because that's what like that's what boundaries boundaries can feel really stressful. Right. Like right. and telling people no can feel really stressful and telling people like, I don't like to watch you hurt yourself in this yeah. way. And not like, and doing it in a way that like, um, you know, your friend Allison's not a bad person. She's not, she's not like a monster, right? She's obviously hurting herself in ways that are really challenging to watch. And, and it's sad to say like, or it's sad to be like, yeah, you're hurting yourself. And I want to, I want to fix that hurt. But like, also there's nothing that I can really do to fix mm -hmm. that hurt. Like you, you're the one that is hurting yourself. Um, and that's a really delicate conversation to have. But I think say, talking about it in a way that is like, hey, friend, I see you're hurting yourself and I'm not going to be a participant in that hurt anymore. I think I'm not going to tell beautiful. you what to do and I'm not going to I'm not going to judge you for it because I know that you are a beautiful, wonderful, amazing person who I love very dearly. But I'm not going to be a co-conspirator in this harm that you're you're doing. Like if you tell me you haven't eaten for three days, I'm going to react in a way that where I would if I if somebody told me that they had denied their child food for three days, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I would be like, what are you doing? That is not appropriate. Right. And I'm really concerned about you and your child, right? Like, that's how we have to approach these situations. And it's going to suck. Like, I, I can't, like it's going to be awful. And, and I wish that it wasn't. I'm, I'm sure, like, my guess is that she's not going to react well to that. My guess is, is that this is not going to be the thing, maybe, that, like, changes the things that she's doing to herself, but in this moment, you have to ask yourself whether or not you're willing to help support her in the harm that she's doing to herself. And I don't think that you are. I totally agree. Uh, and the, the last thing I wanted you to touch on after you talked all, that whole way through really beautifully, I'm going to make you talk more. Um, where do we draw the line when this, like, I think you and I have had similar experiences in which a friendship will become triggering. Like a friendship becomes counterintuitive mm -hmm. to the energy and life and, and, and what we're trying to heal. Right. And for mm -hmm. me, I know that it's like a very contentious decision-making process because these are people we love. We, we have been 
taught societally to be there for unconditionally for the people that we love. And I know it's really hard to draw boundaries around relationships like that. Um, but maybe like, and I don't think that the letter writer is at that point, you know, they have explicitly said mm-hmm. like they want to be there for it. They haven't said that they're burnt out. They haven't said that they're particular, you know, they haven't used the word triggered, but like, what are some things that we can look for or like ways in which she can react if this becomes, if it goes down that path, I guess. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think that, that you have to be the judge of that and sort of when you're feeling really tapped out. Um, I think that if you are interested in pursuing this friendship, establishing some of those boundaries might be helpful for sure to not hear the things that the disordered eating that she's participating in or the, the drinking that she's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I also like just want to add to, you know, that example that she, uh, that you also gave around, like, she also calls and texts, like my mom called me a bitch again, right? Again, one of the things that we can offer in those types of situations is empathy, right? I know that you think that she shouldn't be around her mom, but you can also support her by saying, oh, I'm so sorry that your mom is doing that for you. How is that making yeah. you feel? Like, what are some, like... I'm interested in like, what are you thinking about? Like how you want to handle these situations going forward or like, right. To try and be some proactive around that. And I don't want to like equate the abuse that her mom is clearly giving her with self-harm because like, those are two different things. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know. I mean, you can, you can do a slow fade with this friend, right? Like you can do a friend breakup with them. Um, But it does seem to me that, at a very base level, this friendship needs to shift in some way. And I think that there's probably a way that this could move forward if you're both willing to sort of make that shift and establish that boundary around your not being a participant in her self-harm. Um, but it's also okay for this friendship to to slow down and to 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 move to something else or to yeah. stop altogether. Um and that sucks. Like, I, as I'm saying all this, like, I just am feeling so much empathy for your friend and like how hard it is to be in this and and how hard, um, how hard it is to be practicing that self-harm and, um, and to feel really isolated in that too. Um, mm-hmm. but sometimes that, that isolation is a teacher to say like, there's a wealth wow. of support out there for me when I make that, when I make a decision to receive it. Um, yeah. And I think that that's really what I would encourage you to make clear for your friend is that you still love her and that you support her and want to be friends with her and that you're just not going to, you're not going to be, you're not going to support her in the the things that she's doing to herself and to mostly to herself. Yeah, that's beautiful, Sam. And I don't mean to put you on the spot about that. And, and your response actually made me think that like a lot of times when we're triggered or we feel like we are at our wits end in, in situations like this, like no more extreme. Um, it's honestly because we're not giving ourselves permission to like break our own cycles. Like the letter writer talks about mm. how her friend is in control. And if she just took control, her life could be different. But what Sam and I have ultimately been saying at the end of the day is that you can shift the way you're interacting with this Mm-hmm. pain with this trauma like you are in control too it is not your fault it is not your responsibility but you are an agent in your own relationship to it if that makes sense 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that that's right. And that's really the only thing that's in your control. Yeah. Sadly, right? Like you can't, you can't make your friend stop doing the things that she's doing. The only thing that you can control is how you interact with and relate to her. Um, And that's, I think that's one of the most frustrating and honestly, like (laughs) saddest parts of humanity and relationships with folks is like, I wish that, that we could keep our friends and loved ones from practicing these self harms Mm -hmm. um, and to help them see each other, see themselves the way that we see them as like beautiful, wonderful people um, who are, who are doing things that like are really hurting people that we love. Um, And that's just not the reality. Like, I think that's one of the saddest parts of relationships in the human condition is, is that we can't, we can't just like help our friends <laughs> be yeah. better, you know, like we can't make them be better. Um, wow. And that's, that's sad. But um, so I guess what I'm saying to you is bad, good friend. Like I see you and I feel you and I am, I'm so sorry that you're going through this. I'm so sorry that your friend is going through this as well. Mm-hmm. Like I mm-hmm. feel deep empathy and and love for her too. Um and that I know that this situation feels like a lose-lose in so many different ways. And um, and acknowledging that and sort of recognizing that is, um, I think, part of the healing of saying, mm-hmm. like, there is no really good choice in this situation. Um, and I have to pick between things that are that are not what I want, which is to mm-hmm. say, like, you just want your friend to be better <laughs> and to, mm-hmm. to feel better and to, to be practicing more health. Um, and and so I'm sorry that that's really not an option for you in this moment. Yeah. We love you so much and we genuinely hope this helps. Absolutely. Thank you for writing. All right. Y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh, my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karakal jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E.com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know, I'm all about tackling our money shame 
and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. <laughs> Stop wasting yeah. you money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. <laughs> Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Our next letter is from Sad Panda, whose pronouns are he, him, who is writing to us from Shamesville. Greetings, friends. I started this year off great by finding your podcast and doing a deep dive into many of your older episodes. You both cracked me up during my morning commute and have helped me in several situations of my own. This content has also inspired me to share things I've learned from you all with my friends. Don't worry. I expressed the Surgeon General's warning. (laughs) That's cute. Thanks. Uh, Thank you guys for doing what you're doing. I hope you hear it often, but it is really nice to have a space to hear people throw out their thoughts on the table freely and respond to them accordingly. With all that, my question is as follows. I, 30 male, began dating my significant other, 27 female. We will refer to them as Phi, three years ago, sometime after suffering a horrendous breakup. This breakup had left me in a very vulnerable situation with my defenses way up. When I met Phi, we opened up like I had never experienced before in my life. We openly and shamelessly put everything out on the table and communicated effectively. One item in particular that we discussed often was sex. I was always amazed by her openness in expressing her wants and needs, how I could please her, how she wanted to please me, and vice versa. Part of my issues with my previous partner was how shamed I was made to feel regarding my sexual energy and openness, or kink, if you will. To find someone who matched your energy on many levels felt amazing, and I quickly fell in love. She has even described herself as a nympho on many occasions. Fast forward to present time. Talking about sex has become challenging. I'm beginning to feel self-conscious and occasionally embarrassed to talk about it with her. Over the last 18 months, a sexual session occurs once every so many months nowadays. We have our busy days. We are quite active individuals, but we still have loads of free time and us time. I found myself being the sole initiator and turned down very often. We've just ended a six-month drought a week ago. What pains me to write this is that I've sat back and thought about what I'm doing in these situations. 
I've become to feel more ashamed of myself and sometimes makes me feel like a creep. I often feel depressed over this situation. Am I just getting too deep into my own thoughts? Am I overreacting about my sexual needs? Is this normal? I've tried to talking about it with her. The typical response I receive is that, quote, it just hasn't happened and that she, quote, wants to, but insert this. Unfortunately, it begins to make me feel less and less desirable or even like we are just friends. These feelings I have regretfully trigger past emotions of my tragic breakup. I am trying my best to be understanding, patient, open. However, I feel like I'm running out of energy myself. What do y'all think? Have you ever experienced situations similar to this? I love you guys. Thanks again. All right, sad panda. Thank you so much for writing for your vulnerability in this letter. Um, Sam, have you experienced something similar to this? Um, I have not necessarily experienced something like this. I think that I've experienced mismatched libidos or yes. um, intimacy styles. Um, which we have an interview with, <laughs> I know. with Casey, who is the <laughs> queer sex therapist on Instagram, where we talk a lot about some of these things, which I'm super excited to be able to release at some point in the next few months. Yeah. Yep. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've experienced situations where there are, um, mismatched, um, sort of libidos or, or intimacy patterns. I've also, um, you know, I've also been in long-term relationships where we had sex a lot in the beginning and then sort of petered out as things went on, um, which I think is pretty, um, not necessarily normal, right? Because normal is just a setting on the washing machine, but like, oh my God, at least a in my plus, experience, Sam. has happened. <laughs> a fucking plus. I know you're but, tired today, um, but you're crushing it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I don't know this experience intimately. Um, uh, so... So yeah, take take our advice as you see fit, right? <laughs> Surgeon General's warning yeah. once again. Um, what about you? Well, I think I can echo something that you said and like echo some sentiments in Sad Panda's letter. Um, I definitely relate to the feeling. This has not been like a reoccurring problem in some of my relationships, although I have, like you said, had to navigate long-term libido right <laughs> like what is mm -hmm. what does the libido look like in long-term partnerships where like you know our brains like it's like statistically proven that our brains change our relationship to sex in long-term monogamous partnerships you know <laughs> sure. yeah. um yeah but so but i have definitely um what i loved about this letter is that you were vulnerable enough to address the shame that you're feeling from this um, mm. lack of sex and the and the internal monologue that you are applying to yourself that you've been given conditioned by society or ex-partners or whatever that you're somehow like a perv or that you are mm. what are the a creep is the word you used right um sex is you know sam always says sex is so contentious right it brings up so mm. much trigger and shame and and a narrative that we were given by like a weird puritanical society that really fucking has no fucking idea what they're talking about when it comes to sex because nobody talks about it. Um, For sure. I, I definitely have experienced some of the things that you're writing about in this letter. And I want to 
one, just like welcome you to that, that you're not a freak, that you're not alone. I know this letter is going to be relatable to so many people. Um, and I also want to explicitly say like this is writing from somebody who um, is, identifies as a man, but like the sense of like shame and creep feeling like using their word um, mm -hmm. is genderless, <laughs> you know, like that, um, mm. that can, that can, that feeling of shame can be triggered in any partner, regardless of their um, gender identity or sexual orientation. Um, that it's not just like this horny caveman mentality um, mm. that I want, I want to like liberate you of that, I think. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, you're not a creep. You're you are a human being um, trying to make it in this partnership and get your needs met. And you're being those needs are not being met. They're not even being met mm -hmm. verbally. They're not being your 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 needs are not being seen or acknowledged. I think it would be a different letter. It'd be a totally di you would carry this much differently if your partner lovingly responded to your concerns affirmed the the lover in you that just needs to be seen and held and validated you know outside of the sex right outside of touch and orgasm like the need here is to be intimately seen and told that it's okay to want mm. yeah no absolutely i think that that's that's so true and um you know, I think it is a, a double sort of pain that you're experiencing in this because you are um, not only expressing this desire physically, um, but you're also being told that it's not it's not okay to be talking about or not yes. okay to be having, and that's really hard. And to give your partner some credit too, um, it is we have weird hangups around sex. Yeah. So it is really challenging for folks to find ways to talk about it. And, you know, I don't know what is going on in your, your partner's life, right? Like I don't, I don't know what is happening with them. Um, and so I don't know why their, their needs have changed or why they are suddenly not comfortable talking about it. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things is that like, we can be really good. We're often really good about talking about sex when it's going well, right? Like in, mm. in a way of like, yeah, wow. I want that. that. So or true. like, you know what I mean? And then when it comes to moments when we are not feeling super desired or or feeling a whole lot of desire, right? Then it becomes like, well, now we've hit a hiccup and I don't have the words to talk about the hiccups. Like totally. I, you know, like I read steamy stories or like talk to my friends about like good sex, like, right? But I don't have the things to talk about like when there's a hiccup, right? Or when something is going wrong. Um, wow. Which is just to give both of you some grace around this to say like, we're not really practiced in this. We're not really practiced at treating our sexual um, issues or our sexual, like not incompatibilities, but like missing each other yeah. um, in really meaningful ways, in ways that we often that many of us have been taught to handle other types of conflicts, right? Which, you know, feeling okay with like recognizing that we might be disagreeing and like, right. We just like don't necessarily, uh, many of us don't have the uh, language to be able to talk about sex in such a vulnerable way. Um, and I know at least from my experience that like 
it was really easy to talk about sex when I was like having sex with strangers and like, yeah, like I want throwdown, right? Like I want, I want like it to be really intense and passionate, but like I have feel like I have very little language to talk about when things are challenging. <laughs> or, like, I think that is such a good point that there is, of course, it's like, it's life-changing when you find a partner that you can share that language with. Um, mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden we are left languageless, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about that. What are some of the languages, some of the wor- the actual words we can use? Um, I I cannot stress the importance of, the, at least in my experience or from my perspective, um, kind of going back to the first letter, just like the we think we're having these really forward conversations or we, we think we are expressing all of our needs and wants. And so naturally we just fall into rhythms of things. We fall into, mm. you know, assumed responses, vague answers, you know. And I say that to say, um, you know, you've been with this partner for a while. I would, I would say to, to lovingly make time and space to have a real conversation about this, not an in passing one, not one that allows her to say, yeah, sometime, but not, you know, one that, one that has time and comfort. And so I would say something like, I want to have a real conversation with you, um, is now a good time? Are mm. you, do you have enough time to be vulnerable with me? Um, and I would use words like, uh, you're my teammate and I'm, and I want to feel like this is not anything wrong with you or me, but that this is mm-hmm. something that we can approach together because mm. when we don't approach it together, all of a sudden you internalize what's wrong with you that you're not giving me what I want. And I internalize how much of a creep and a bad person and how ashamed I should be for my desires. That's what happens when we problem solve in an oppositional way in a, in, in an adversarial way. But when we Mm -hmm. problem solve as a team, then, then the, then the necessity to have someone who is right or wrong or someone take the blame sort of dissipates at least the pressure to find that, you know, um, Mm -hmm. I think I'm like a thousand times less likely to feel ashamed of myself. If I know my partner's there to help me through this, to problem solve with me. Um, so I encourage you to say something like, I'd like to have a real, um, and thorough conversation about our sex life. And I want you to know that, I'm your teammate. I want to be on your side and I want to solve this together. Everything that I've already said, you can pull from. And then as Sam always reminds us so eloquently, how can you, how can you approach this with curiosity? And I would, I would just approach her with curiosity and empathy and also make sure that you don't, what I want to say is don't accept an answer that's vague, but like, I don't mean that as aggressively as it sounds, you know, I can't, I can't figure out what I actually mean. I don't mean like, you know, tape them to the chair and, and get a different answer out of them. I just mean like, 
I guess, push a little. This this requires us to be uncomfortable because, as Sam said, mm-hmm. we don't have the script. We are not culturally competent when it comes to talking about sex. In our interview with Casey, she so eloquently reminded us that even therapists are traditionally not equipped to talk about sex, you know, um, and... Yep. And it just is it is a blind spot in our in our self-help narrative. Um, and so I don't mean to like maybe you can help me out with this, Sam. I don't mean to like reject what she says, but like at this point, being busy isn't enough. It's not it's not it's not healing or not even healing. It's not even validating the wound, right? Mm-hmm. Um so you can say, I know you're busy. I know we're busy. I know it's not the right time, X, Y, and Z, but I, I want to push a little bit farther and figure out why or what is there behind the busyness. Um, does that make sense? I don't mean it in like a weird, aggressive way. No, I mean, I think that you can, you can again, ask like as a team, what are some things that we're willing to do or try together to help make this um to help create the intimacy that that I think is that I need from you mm-hmm. um right because like I think that the something to also think about when you're having this conversation is thinking about sort of the fact that this is both a material conflict in that like there's not enough sex happening but I also think that this is like relational and right um and symbolic as well, right? And I think that probably you're craving sex and you're probably also craving intimacy, connection, right? The things that sex does for us, which affirms that we are desired, that we are loved, that that we are in connection with other people. So um, I think being able to talk about that too, of like, why, why is this lack of sex making you feel this way? Why is it right. making you feel alone or disconnected? And then saying, right, like the goal here is for us to, for for both of us to be more intimately connected with each other. Like that's my goal in this relationship or in this situation. So what are some of the things that we can try? Is it going to, is it better for you if we like set up a schedule? Is it better for us if we try taking a shower together without having sex, but just being close and intimate together? Is it helpful if we watch a movie in bed together, naked, not, you know, touching, but like not being sexual, like whatever it is to help to get to a point where you're feeling more of that intimacy. Um, because I think that like often intimacy leads to sex and not necessarily the other way around, but I'm not a sex therapist, so you can take that as you see fit. But I think that like, you know, at least for me, like spending more time being close physically, being sort of intimate together actually leads me to want to have sex more often right. because it's like, um, because I, you know, it doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of pressure. It doesn't feel like, oh, we're just like starting, we're doing this thing. And then like after, right, like this sort of more gradual release into sex has been, is something that is helpful. So like talking about it in that way, right? Like you're yeah, a team, I love that. you're willing to try things. The goal isn't necessarily like we need to have sex four times a week, but like more so like, I'm really craving more physical intimacy with you, which can be sex, right? Can be like we both achieve orgasm, P and V, whatever it is. Or it could be like, <laughs> I just want more intimacy with you. So I want to be able to touch you or like lay with you or whatever it is. Um, and sort of opening our minds to the idea that like 
we can we can have sex sometimes. Sex can be one of the emotionally, physically intimate things that we do. And there could be other options that can help sort of both of us find a way together. And this is a perfect opportunity to plug our new merchandise. <laughs> the <laughs> um, And also sweatshirts because like what I want you to primarily, like the number one thing I want you to walk away with is whatever your partner is going through that's making her pull back or not prioritize this has its own validity, right? Like we don't know what that is because she didn't write in. Um, Mm -hmm. And also you are not a bad person or a bad partner for, for having these wants and desires. Um, And, and that we can approach, we can find the intersection of that. And also if we approach it as a team, um, as, in, with those open and honest conversations. For sure. All right, my darling, sad panda. I hope you were a little less sad. We love you so much. Thank you so much for writing. Thank you. We love you. We hope this helps. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy. But you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great. Filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. All right. Our next letter comes from Doing My Best, whose pronouns are she, her, who's writing from Guilt Town, USA. So we've had somebody from Shameville, and now we've got somebody from Guilt Town. So I love it. Things are going really well for our listeners. <laughs> Hi, Sam and Sierra. I've learned so much from you two. Thank you for everything that you do. Trigger warning for rape. Let me tell you about my now ex. We'll call him Chris. Chris and I started out as the best of friends. No romance. Initially, that's all I wanted for our, for our relationship. Fast forward, I was raped somebody but I, that I knew. My life crashed. I was failing classes and was absolutely terrified of most men, except Chris. I knew him, I trusted him, and a romantic relationship started. For the next seven years, I did everything I could to heal and get my life back together. I got a master's in computer science and landed a dream job that I love. In that same time, Chris was trying to find himself and figure out what he wanted to do in life. I tried to support his journey as best as I could, but our relationship turned into an unhealthy codependent cycle. He was depressed, had issues at work and home, struggled with substance abuse and addictions, and would frequently tell me I was the only thing in his life that made him happy. And honestly, that scared the shit out of me. I felt a constant pressure to be his everything while also trying to keep my own life together. Then he cheated on me. We broke up and I moved from where we lived in Utah to a new city to take a once in a lifetime job offer. I still work here and I love it, but he has always despised me for moving away and making more money than him, but I digress. 
With time, we slowly started talking again, having hard conversations and rebuilding trust in our relationship long distance. In that same time, I was in therapy and realizing a lot of trauma that came up with growing up as a brown woman in Utah. Let's just say that fucked me up in ways I didn't realize until I moved somewhere where I felt accepted. We'd have so many arguments about this. You know the drill. I tell him my experience. Quote, it was racist when your friends called me a terrorist. Mm -hmm. He'd tell me I was overthinking it and play devil's advocate. They were just kidding. You're too sensitive. I'd explain till I was bawling and he'd, quote, agree to disagree. For whatever reason, I stuck around, even though deep down I knew we just weren't right for each other. I felt guilty for thinking, even thinking that. I tried to ignore my gut and kept moving forward. He continued to struggle with depression and substance abuse. He'd tell me all the time, you've changed as if that's a bad thing. Like, yeah, I've grown a lot since we first met almost a decade ago. Thank God. But he loved me so much and had so much drama. My mind would say, no one will ever love him like you love him. You'll never feel safe being intimate with anyone else. You'd be Mm. a terrible person for leaving him when he's down. So things kept moving forward. I'd admit all my worries and issues with the relationship with my therapist. She'd kindly try to show me that our codependent relationship was not healthy, and I did nod in agreement but never act on it. Until today. He called me after not talking for a day or so. This was not normal. We usually talked all the time. He was crying after he blacked out for a day from a lot of drinking and pills. We're 30. I don't want to keep doing this shit. He then said, quote, My mom thinks we should start making a plan to live together. He lives at his parents' house. I asked why he said that. He said, quote, because you're the only thing that makes me happy. My heart immediately sank. That Mm. feeling of pressure to be someone's everything sent me into an immediate anxious spiral. Luckily, I had a therapy appointment right after and finally came to the conclusion that I needed to end it for good. Love you, Dr. L. You're the realist. (laughs) So I did. I called him and I broke it off. I cried and apologized. He was stone cold and said, thanks for making this the worst day of my life. And I apologize some more. I'm sad to lose the friendship and honestly terrified of how I'll be able to be intimate with someone else. But most of all, I feel fucking relieved. I feel like there's now a chance for me to have the life I've always dreamed of. So after that, here comes my incessant questions. How do I let go of the guilt that I feel relieved and okay with things ending when I know that he's in a lot of pain? How do I stop feeling anxious about knowing that his friends and family probably hate me now? Should I reach out to him and make sure that he's okay? Am I a terrible person for leaving when I did and for not leaving sooner when I knew I should have? Will I ever feel safe being intimate with anyone else ever again? Oof, okay, that was a lot, and I totally understand if that was too many questions to answer. Thank you so much for reading. Love always. Doing my best. Doing my best. Thank you so much for writing, for sharing this story with us, and I love your shout-out to your therapist. (laughs) (laughs) um yeah thanks dr l we love you too (laughs) yeah uh so congrats congrats you did something terrifying and electrifying and empowering Mm. and debilitating (laughs) and you did that thing that we want so many of our listeners and ourselves and myself to do right you leaned into that quiet intuition that intuition that has been silenced and muffled by so many things and so many people, whether it is 
our exes or our partners or our parents or our society or conditioning or whatever. You leaned in and you listened to that little voice of intuition and you went with it. You 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 went with mm-hmm. your gut. And I think that is the, just the most gorgeously liberating and terrifying human thing. And I couldn't be more proud of you. And I know you're in this, like what a couple of episodes we talked about, like the, the goo stage, you know, where you're a caterpillar <laughs> and you're not a butterfly, yeah. like not yet a woman sort of Britney Spears yeah. vibes. <laughs> um, and so you're in that like goo stage. And I know it's scary and really vulnerable to be on the threshold of so much change and pain that you feel like you instigated, right? It's so scary Mm. to be there. And like, yes. And also you did that. You did that girl. Like you did that. (laughs) I want to say like, yeah, you're feeling some guilt and you, and you're feeling like you, you don't know how to process this feeling of, of, it is, you know what? It is terrifying to finally claim your autonomy and to wholly allow your needs to exist in this space. Yeah, it uh, like my response would be to be like, oh my God, did I do something wrong? What if people don't like me? Like when we take up all of our like spiritual holistic space, when we make hard choices for our own happiness, it is very natural for our next move to be like, oh my God, I'm taking up too much space. Oh my God, I I, I, mm. I shouldn't be this loud. I shouldn't be this articulate. I shouldn't have been so selfish. I shouldn't have been so self-assured in what I know to be true. How dare I know my truth so strongly? <laughs> so I just want to say like, you fucking did that and I'm proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, Sam and I are here to tell you that you don't need to repent that there's mm. nothing you need to rectify. I know this goo stage is scary. <laughs> I know it feels mm. a lot of newness can feel really uncertain, but there's, there's nothing you need to repent for. Even if that was the worst day of his life, that can mm. exist as well as your happiness. No, for sure. And I um I do want to say like it probably was the worst day of his life. Like that's sure. probably a true thing that's happening. Um and it's okay to feel bad about that, right? Yeah. It's okay to feel like oh, this sucks that that he had to have the worst day of his life. And it's also okay for you to feel relieved at getting out of this relationship, right? Like it's okay for all of these um, those emotions to happen at the same time because you hurt him. Yeah, And I'm not saying that in a way to make you feel bad or to make you feel guilty, right? Because we cannot go through our lives without hurting other people. It is just an inevitability. And when we are doing things to prioritize ourselves or when we're doing things that we know are for the best, even though they're challenging, right? That means that people are going to get hurt. And he's hurting. Mm -hmm. Of course he is. The person that he loved broke up with him. And... The person that he loved broke up with him because that person needed something different, right? And that is what you're doing. You are pursuing, you are ending something that you know wasn't working well for you. Doesn't seem like it was working really well for him either. And those big changes, those big rifts, those necessary challenges Mm -hmm. cause pain. They cause pain to you. It's going to cause pain to him. And it's okay. It sucks for sure. I'm not trying to pretend like we shouldn't hold other people's pain or, or, um, 
understand it to be really real and understand it to be really big. And it doesn't mean that it was a wrong decision. It doesn't mean that you have anything to feel guilty about. It just means that 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 he's hurt because of this horrible situation that he is going through, which was necessary for you to yeah. find something different and to move on and to get yeah. out of something that was not working for you. Yeah. Sam and I are not trying to like chant, you know, hurt people to get your happiness. <laughs> we oh, are <no>. chanting. <laughs> We inevitably hurt people in life. It is impossible mm-hmm. not to. And you can be the most generous, thoughtful, caretaking, kind, loving, you know, does everything and bakes you a cake person in the world. And you're still going to hurt people. Those people aren't going to like the right. fucking cake that you made. Like it is an inevitable part of life. And for sure, it's not about we're not championing being... Um, cruel and selfish. We're championing the fact that life is fucking complicated and we are not for Mm. everyone. And so we are inevitably going to be put into situations in which we are incompatible with someone and and we have to disappoint them, whether that is a negotiation in friendship, whether that's a negotiation at a workplace um, and a, a family relationship. Like we, like something that I've been like wrestling with lately is like, I am going to, by being my most authentic self and like speaking my opinion, is like, I'm going to disappoint my dad. I cannot, I do not want mm. to be, I do not want to be an inauthentic version of myself. And therefore, I have to then accept that my authenticity disappoints people I love. That's just a part of my life, you know, and I'm, and this is somebody mm-hmm. that I love. My dad is someone I love and I cherish our, our relationship and I want to be close to him. I want him to feel my love. And I also, at the same time, and also <laughs> buy a new crew next, <laughs> I can, I can honor the fact that like, we're just not always compatible. That is, that is impossible. Um, and, to, sure. and really quickly, like the friends and family, the stress that you're feeling, man, do I relate to that? Because like, I have a heart attack thinking about every person who hates this podcast and I just have to like ignore <laughs> them <laughs> because otherwise <laughs> I wouldn't put out the content that we put out, you know, um, I struggle really hard with, with people not understanding why I would do something. Like I, I can't think, I can think of many specific examples, but I won't like shout out a specific one but in the past when i've broken up i have i have stressed about how their friends or family would view me because i didn't have an opportunity to explain to them my truth or my version of events or Mm. whatever and i felt this stress that i needed to be like no no you don't get it x y and z or blah, blah blah and you know what something i didn't give people enough credit for is that like those friends and family they're going to they're going to probably get it. You know? They're going to get that <laughs> yeah, people break real. up, right? You know, they're going to mm-hmm. get that like m- you know, m- maybe they're going to see that your ex was going through a hard time or whatever. And if they don't get it, that still isn't enough of a reason for you to let that s- tap into your happiness. Like if they don't get it, then it's not for them f- to get. Like 
that's another thing that we mm-hmm. have to lean into is that like there's going to be people out there that don't like us. There's going to be people who, out there who don't like the cake that we made for them, even though we spent all day making it for them. And there's going to be people out there who hate our podcast, who like hate the sound of my voice and think that I'm a sociopathic <laughs> Gemini, which is like it's literally something that I have to say, like, that's OK. That's OK. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, Absolutely. Uh, because they don't know your truth. They don't know your whole story. They don't know you intimately. And so they, of course, and they have other connections to to Chris. Um, and of course, of course, they are going to take his sides because they are his friends and family, right? Like, that's just like the way of the world. Exactly. Even if they knew your truth and they maybe had like a different opinion on it, <laughs> which is another yeah, like sure. chronically difficult thing to accept for me, <laughs> that like people yep. can know every yep. detail of my life and still decide that they like don't aren't siding with me or something. Um, right. But you're right. They're, they're your, they're your ex's people. They're for him. Uh-huh. They're not for you. Yep. And that is, that is okay. And I think... Um, you know, this idea of like, was, is this the right time to leave or should I have left sooner? Right. That's, that is neither here nor there. Right. Because you can't go back and leave sooner. Um, and remembering exactly the name that you have, that you wrote in with, you were doing your best in those types of, in that situation. It is really hard to have somebody tell you that they're, they're, they're the only thing in their life that is making them happy. Yeah. Right? Of course you wanted to be there for them because like, of course, if you're the only thing taking that away seems unimaginable. And we often learn more about ourselves through the experiences that we have. And sometimes it takes us a while to learn the thing that we need to learn. And that doesn't mean that we're stupid or that we should have learned it faster. Right. It just right. means that it took that amount of time for us to learn it. And we wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't yell at a kid for not knowing their ABCs by a particular time, although we do that in this country. So like we talk about that at a different time. Right. Right. Instead, we would support them and say, like, well, we'll take as much time as you need in order to learn that thing. And so, again, like you're on this journey, you are doing the best that you can. You are learning as you go. And you made the decision in the moment where you knew that it was the right decision. And I know I don't know what the circumstances were or like what were all of the things that led up to it. Um, but that is the exact moment that you needed to do it because that was the exact moment where you became fully aware that this is something that needed to happen. And right. also that could happen too. Right. Right. There is also like Sometimes we know that things need to happen, but we can't imagine in our head how they could happen, right? right. Like we cannot, we can't fathom the idea of what a breakup would actually look like. We don't even know what the words we would use would be. Totally. And that's, that's life. Like sometimes our, our intuition, our hearts get ahead of our heads and we know something <laughs> to be true, even if we can't figure out how to make it happen. Yeah. Um, so I want to absolve you also of that guilt as well. Like you, you left in the exact moment that you could leave and you couldn't have left in before that. You just couldn't have. And that's, Period. that's the reality. You're not a terrible yeah. person for that. You're just a person who was totally. going through something. I agree. Obviously we are, not only are we like in, impressed by your choice, but we're, we see you in all of this complexity. Um, and, mm. and I want to remind you that nothing is permanent. Literally nothing on this earth is permanent. Even all of the tattoos I regret, like regret that like, they're going to be gone one day, <laughs> you know? Um, and that this stage right now, this discomfort, this transition is 
is incredibly temporary, um, which isn't to say it isn't important, which isn't to say it's not real right now. But you can remind, you can soothe yourself a little by saying, this is just a part of the transition. This is a, this is a page in the new chapter, right, that I've turned over. And Absolutely. we hope that this helps. Thank you so much Absolutely. for writing. Thank you so much for writing. We love you. All right, everyone, this brings us to the blind date segment of our episode. This is when we try and set you up with something that we think you're really going to like. This week, we want to send you home with. Well, it's something that I really love, but I am kind of cheating because it is uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is a book that we talked about in our most recent debut interview on the Head and Heart Work Conversations that came out last week with Dr. Lindsay C. Gibson. It is her brand new accompanying book, accompanying accompanying accompaniment accompanying companion book <laughs> there it is there it is <laughs> okay anyway it is a brand new companion book to adult children of emotionally mm. immature parents um which i now am very proud to say that my whole household has read um oh, and <laughs> yeah uh and i want to say that um, as somebody who is a new fresh has freshly read it that um, I don't know if you've said this, but it's like it's a very easy read. I was surprised oh, yeah. by like how fast and easy it went through. And sometimes self-help books are not especially like books written by doctors. No offense. You're <laughs> way smarter than us, Dr. Gibson. <laughs> um, but the book is like such an easy read. And I'm obsessed with this new companion book um, called Self-Care for Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents. The subtitle is Honor Your Emotions, Nurture Yourself, and Live with Confidence, something we all deserve to do. And what mm. I love about it is um, you don't actually have to have read the first book, although I, like I said, it's, it's like a pretty easy read, but it is, um, a series of passages or, um, like sh very short essays, like that you can just read maybe one a day, a couple a day. And, you know, the ch chapter titles are like, build a better relationship with yourself. You have a right to be here being proud of yourself. Um, uh, self-care instead of self-indulgence. So it's just these like a million years ago on on Blind Dates, I suggested a book called Journey to the Heart by Melody Beattie, which is like short daily mm -hmm. passages. And I really loved that. And this sort of like mirrors that. It's not a workbook, but it's like these short passages that you can read, which is like great for my life and lifestyle right now. Um, mm -hmm. And really affirming really like affirming of all those things that we learn in Lindsay's book in these head and heart work conversations. And so I'm super excited to shout it out. If you have not listened to the interview yet, find it on primary feed or wherever you find your podcasts for free. So it is self-care awesome. for uh, adult children of emotionally immature parents by Lindsay C. Gibson. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Breakup Pod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes, but most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakupPod.com, which is the only place you can submit your letters, number one. Um, we will not be answering letters via DMs or emails. Number two, which is where you can find our new merchandise. We've got Just Break Up affirmation journals and new crew neck sweatshirts that have the beautiful reminder that more than one thing can be true at the same time. Check it out at justbreakuppod.com. 
Please remember to follow, like, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review and consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you will get an additional bonus weekly episode. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. This literally keeps the mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Original music recording, editing, producing all magical things by our good friend Spencer Worth Davis, a.k.a. Big Cats. Make sure to check out his music on Spotify. And remember, this right now is a temporary sensation. It might be a familiar one. It might be something that you've felt your whole life. But in this moment, it too shall pass. You can see each new emotion, each new hurdle, every new day as a transition into the next bold chapter. And if all else fails, just break up. Just break up.